Well, thanks. Great singing, folks. You always do. And uh, good to be back here. We um, was back there praying, Phil. And uh, he mentioned something during the prayer. He says, free uh, Brother Gordon from all anxiety. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've been uh, in the ministry for 43 years. And uh, there's always anxious, uh, nervous times. And I hope it never goes away. I hope it never does. And that's why they have pulpits, so you can't see your knees shaking. <laughs> so, anyway, we're going to, um, I was going, been going through the Old Testament. And I've probably mentioned this before, that we like to speak from our weaknesses. Uh, because I'm a human, and you are too. And so, you'll probably experience some of the same things I do in our humanity. <clears throat> but today, I put a title to this, Staying Charged Up in a life-draining world. And I want to reread as we go through the text some of these passages, and then we'll look at some of the, um, uh, the points. <clears throat> Thanks, Bruce, for reading. We're going to read uh, from verse 3 again. Then Elijah was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life, and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey in the wilderness and came and sat down under a, under a broom tree. And Elijah asked that he might die, saying, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under the broom tree. And an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. In verse 6, And he ate and he drank and he laid down again. There's going to be times in all of our life, and it happened here in Elijah's life, that you're going to have a, a high in your Christian journey. You're going to have exciting moments, and then it's going to be followed by a, a low. And that's exactly what has taken place in Elijah's life. He had had this high up on Mount Carmel with the 400 of the prophets of Baal, and because he gets a letter in the mailbox and the lady says, I'm going to cut your head off, he runs for his life. 122 miles all the way down to Beersheba. And here he is under this broom tree pouting and uh, thinks he's all alone. And he's down in the dumps. From being charged up on Mount Carmel and witnessed one of the greatest miracles in the Old Testament, and now he's running for his life. And I ask myself, sometimes I've been through what I thought was great things, and it's followed by a crummy thing. You ever been there? I remember we were, uh, I graduated out of Davis High, and we became a pastor in 1979. And uh, four years after that, I was invited back to Grace Davis High, and I represented Christianity. And they had a panel of nine of the world's religions, and we all went into the, the student room. They brought in six hours. Uh, every hour, they bring another 100 students in. And we got to explain we had three minutes to say why we were right. I was a Christian. Three minutes to explain why I'm right. And they're wrong. 
And they had the Hindu, the Buddhist, the Jews, uh, well, nine of them. And it was fun. I enjoyed that six hours. Students would come in, and then at the end, uh, they had about 20 minutes to a half hour, they'd ask us questions. I remember getting in my truck, and I went back home, and I was, I was hiring a kite. I was feeling good and thought the Lord was honored, and, and it was fun knowing I was right. I'm the believer, and all of them are <laughs> buddy duds, cults. And I walked in the house, and Heidi says, Man, Gordon, I am really in a hurry. i got to go pick the children up. Can you take out the trash? <laughs> I just came for something really important that I was going to tell her all about, and I got to go take the trash out. <laughs> and I've thought about that over the years as many times. You come from a moment, it might be a week, you guys went down to uh, incredible preaching, and sometimes, well, yeah, it's going to be a low moment today. But you come <laughs> home, and you're going to find yourselves, uh, you're going to be in a position where, like Elijah, feels like he's drained. Did you know that eight out of ten American workers that go to work feel drained when they show up? When they show up. What's happened in your life in the last week or the last month that you can honestly say that you sat on a couch or you went to a chair or you sat somewhere and you were drained and you didn't have any energy to go on? Have you ever been there? And how often do you struggle to stay up in a world that's going sideways and going down? Do you ever feel, feel worthless? Do you ever feel unappreciated? Do you ever feel empty and drained because of maybe your children? Maybe your wife, maybe your husband. We all have it, folks. And the prophet Elijah, one of the great men of God, could be drained in a moment like this, then you and I are going to have the same kind of feelings. So what does God want us to do to dig us out of our self-burial when we have these energy times of draining? Well, I, want to, I picked out four in this passage, and there may be more, but they're the ones that look me straight in the face. Number one, I can find energy by resting. I like this one. <laughs> the Lord never says here in the text, Elijah, would you get up and get over it? No. He said, you eat and you lay down. And the Lord wants us to know this, that when he's asked us to rest, it's really a time of repair and restoration. Notice the word of God says in Mark 6 and 31. Jesus says, come aside by yourselves to a desert place and rest a while. And the business with the disciples and all those three years that he was with them, they were on the move all the time. But every once in a while, he would say in the Gospels, go aside, sit down, and rest a while. He says in Isaiah 58, 13, those that will rest on the Sabbath 
They will ride on high things. Matthew 28. Come unto me all you that are weak and weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Psalm 3.5. I lay down and I slept and I woke. For the Lord, he sustained me. And then the classic one. Psalm 23. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And the, the, uh, the implication there, he may even purposely stop you to make you lay down. There's some questions that need to be asked to all of us. And especially in a body of Christ. When you're caring for others, do you care for yourself? You see, we can be so busy in the ministry and the servanthood for the Lord that you can get so busy that you never care for yourself. And if you never care for yourself and you don't pause and rest, you will be drained quickly. And the joy factor of your life will start to go away. How many people here are shortchanging yourselves because you're doing too much? I've been having some bouts. I hope it don't happen now, but I was having some bouts the last six months to a year. I just pass out. I was preaching somewhere at a, at a rest home, just went out. It was weird. And I think it was a lot because I was probably getting dehydrated. But anyway, my doctor says, well, I think you need to go check your heart out. So a couple weeks ago, I went to a cardiologist. I don't like hospitals. And he went in and did the diet test, the nuclear test, and all that stuff, and his... It was strange, man. <clears throat> when we got all done, the cardiologist brought me in the room, and he says, you know, your heart looks really good. But you got a problem. Everything that checks out on our screens or whatever they look at, you're stressed. He said, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor at uh, Redemption Hill. No. <laughs> Now I told him a pastor, and he smiled, and he says, well, um, one of the first things he asked, he says, are you getting enough rest? And I never, I never thought about that. I like to stay up late. I like to get up early, so that probably equates to not a lot of rest. But he says, then you have a choice. You make a change. And it's the same thing with us when it comes to rest. You're a three-legged stool. Every one of us are a trichotomy. You have a body, you have a soul, and you have a spirit. And if any one of those legs get fatigued, you're going to go down. It happened to Elijah. It can happen to us. And if I, in my physical body, do not get enough rest, I'm going to go down, and it's going to affect my emotions and my spirit. We need rest. One busy mother was asked, how do you even do it with your nine children? And she says, I learned to sleep when they sleep. 
Mothers, what do you do? You might have to go and you sleep when they sleep. I like that one. And here's Elijah down under a broom tree, and he had to rest. Why? God was having him rest, but he was getting ready to go up the next day and run for 262 miles to Mount Sinai. Listen to it. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched Elijah and said, Get up, eat for the journey because it's too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. And strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb or Mount Sinai. And there he went into a cave and he spent the night. He's resting again. Verse 11, the Lord said to Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And Elijah went and he heard it. And here is Elijah resting down at Mount Sinai at the place that God had the burning bush, the place that the law was given, the place where things happened. And all he gets is a whisper. <laughs> you know, listening is um, its really a form of love. It's when you sacrificially lay aside your own agenda for a moment and you care about somebody else. My wife and I, we eat just about every meal in the evening together. And over the habit of our 48 years, we play a game the same time we eat. And it slows us down. And I don't know how many times, even during the game, and the plates are sitting aside and we're playing this game. She'll ask me a question and there's a lot of times I, I don't listen. And she'll say it again. She says, you're not listening, are you? I says, no, I'm not. And I thought about it. You know, here's Elijah down here and he's just getting a whisper from the Lord. A lady came into my office two weeks ago Troubled, had a lot on her heart. For 45 minutes, she talked. She got up to go, we prayed. And she says, you know, I, I, I'm just glad that you listened. I didn't say one word besides the prayer. I listened. And probably the reason I didn't say anything was I did not know what to say. It was pretty traumatic stuff. And I am not a, I'm not a good counselor. There's people that are really good at it. And, you know, I can quote scripture and stuff, but I just sat there, and the more she talked, I said, Lord, I don't know what to say. And he said, don't say anything. I just prayed. Seen her the next week. He said, man, thank you for listening. And I think there's times in your life, that's all you got to do. Listen. 
I want you to notice the comparison of Moses and Elijah. They're 500 years apart. Next slide. No, the next one. That one. I like that one. Look at those two guys standing there. There's Moses with the law, and there's the Elijah, probably the greatest of the prophets. And these men were 500 years apart. But I want you to notice something about them, that some of the similarities. They both went to Sinai to finally pause and listen to God. Moses led three million people out of the desert, goes down there to Sinai, goes up to the mountain, 40 days and 40 nights, and he listened to God, wrote the law. Elijah is on Mount Sinai, and all he gets is a whisper. Both men saw here God revealing himself through fire. Both men were provided food in a miraculous way by God. Both men, after they finally listened to God, emphasized that, yes, Lord, you are God. <laughs> and Joshua succeeded Moses, which means the Lord is salvation, and Elisha followed Elijah, which names mean God is my salvation. And for some reason, both men, their deaths were shrouded in mystery. Never did find the body of Moses. Elijah, he took off. And here's what I like. And both men appeared at the Mount of Transfiguration. Somewhere in their life and their ministry as a prophet, as a lawgiver, they learned to listen. I don't know how many times Moses was corrected by people because he took too much on himself. There may be some of you here today that you're taking too much on yourself. The Bible says, let a man so examine himself. Examine your heart. Be honest. I like to do a lot of things, but there comes a time my wife will slow me down, says, Gordon, you're, you've got to learn to say no. I listen to that. I was asked to do something about a month ago, and I thought, I remember what Heidi said, and she said, say no. So I said, no, I'm not going to do it. And they said, what? I said, no, I'm not going to do it. Well, think about it. No, I'm not going to do it. I couldn't wait to run home and tell my wife. And she was proud that I said no. Did you know that when you listen to others, it will increase their trust in you? It works. Did you know that when you listen, you will reduce unneeded conflicts? It works. Did you know that when you listen, you will have more respect from those around you? It works. And did you know that when you listen, you will create long-lasting friendships? 
That's why Bruce and I are such good friends. He always listens when I would yak. And you know, when we listen, we, get, we gain wisdom from the Lord. And I remember when we was uh, first dating. Maybe I better not share this. No, Ann's here. That's not fair. Anyway, well, number three. <laughs> I can find energy by just venting. Now, this is a cautious one here. I want to read verses 9 and 11. And the word of the Lord came to uh, Elijah and he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, Well, I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They broke down your altars. They put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Wah, wah, wah. And at least Elijah is honest about his frustrations and his fears and events to God. When's the last time that you vented? Another in our vernacular, when's the last time you really let it all out? Now, if you've ever been married, you know that part of the, the journey is we vent. And sometimes it's good, and sometimes we probably go over the top with it, but because venting does have a dark side. But talking and venting, if it's done right, is a needed thing in our life. We can't just keep things bottled up. Talk to the Lord. Vent to him. Elijah is venting to the Lord. And when you vent to a friend or you vent to a companion, you really are prompting them to maybe offer you another perspective. I will come home and I will vent and unload on Heidi and she will give me another perspective. And she does the same thing with me. But what you don't want to get caught up in when you're venting is get caught up in what we call co-rumination. You know what a cow does? Chews a cud? Well, you don't want to keep doing that. Venting the same thing over and over and over and over because then that goes in what we call self-pity. Self-pity is nothing more than really rebellion. Elijah is venting to God, but he, he vented and vented, and then he got caught up into self-pity. Huh. Why do we say that? Well, you look at what he's doing here. He's really saying, well, uh, I feel sorry for myself, Lord, but after all, I, I know you say you're a God of love, but I'm not really buying it right here at this time. I know you say you're a God of goodness, but I don't really believe it. I know you're a God of light, but I don't see it. I know you say you're my father, but I don't really relate to it. And self-pity will just put you down into a drain and a cycle. And it will dilute all the good that you try to do for others. Elijah was expecting something great from Carmel. Lord, look what I did for you. Look at all those prophets of Baal we took care of. 
I'm an incredible prophet for your glory. But you allow this woman to say, to cut my head off, and I take off, and he went into a pity party. And so for about three months here, there wasn't a lot going on for good in his life. He was expecting something big again. He was expecting a burning bush experience again. And he gets a whisper. <laughs> and that's all God's doing here is saying, Elijah, I'm just whispering my will and my word back into your heart. And it's the same thing that the Lord is doing for us. He wants us to stop when we're done venting. He wants us to open our hearts to him. Did you know that part of venting is comes by way, not only by way of prayer and frustrations, but venting is comes by way of laughter. When's the last time you've laughed? People don't laugh anymore. Families are not laughing. That's not good. And this COVID mess has put people into even a more isolated place, and there's less laughing. Road rage is increased. Why? People are not having fun. They're not enjoying life anymore. There's no laughter going on. When you go into a tight spot or you go into a draining moment, maybe sometimes it might be good just to start laughing or go to the zoo more often. You go to the zoo, you're going to laugh. It's a great way to vent. I'm involved in a few Bible studies during the week. One of them on Friday morning, I'm with Bruce and my brother, and, and we study the Bible, but we laugh. We laugh. And it's really good for the waitresses. In fact, they're about probably ready to go to the mental institution, I think. <laughs> and the reason we laugh is when it comes to time to order, You guys got to come and witness this. It is funny. We start, and the way we're seated, I order first, then Rod orders next, and my brother Aaron orders next, and then it's Bruce's turn. And it's an enjoyable four minutes. <laughs> and we laugh at every time. And Bruce wasn't there last Friday, and, and she freaked out. She didn't know what to do. She said, well, Aaron, can you order like Bruce? So Aaron started doing a Bruce order. It is, it's funny. And then on Monday mornings, tomorrow morning, we have Matt. And we laugh about other things. <laughs> but it's good. And you can be in a group of people, but it's good just to laugh, and it's a good way to, to vent. Number four, I can find energy by teaming up. And you can call that support group, home group, whatever you want. But look at what he says in uh, verse 15. He says, Elijah, I want you to anoint Hazael, king over Aram, and Jehu, king over Israel, and anoint Elijah to seed you as a prophet. Verse 19 and 21, Elijah went there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and he set out to follow Elijah become his assistant. For six years, Elisha 
followed Elijah around and was his attendant. Now notice what God did not say here. He did not say here, Elijah, suck it up. Work harder, you sloth. No, that's not what he said. He said, I want you to team up. Next slide. So he puts this mantle and he teams up with Elijah and everything changed in his life. Did you know that there's more people that will be touched in your area or your sphere of influence if you team up with somebody else? Again, this COVID mess, I think it's the hand of the devil in some ways. It put people in isolation. <laughs> God did not build us to be alone. Didn't. Support groups, Ecclesiastes 4.12, a three-fold cord is not easily broken. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Matthew 18.20, where two or three are gathered together in my name. And you could go on and on the importance of being around someone else. Isolation is not good. Man told me the other day, he says, well, I'm in tight with God. I don't need church. I don't need people. And I thought, you're not in tight with anybody. You're alone. And I want you to go home and read Matthew 18. I mean, I think it's Matthew 20. And uh, there's a story there. No, it's in Matthew 21. I hope it got the right chapter for him. Matthew 21 is about a fig tree. Jesus coming out of the temple. He sees a fig tree all by himself. He looks at it. A lot of leaves. No fruit. Die. Poor tree withered and died. Why? Because he's alone. Did you know that 80% of all products around the world today is pollinated? 80%. You don't eat an almond unless it was pollinated. You don't eat a melon unless it's pollinated. There's a lot of flowers you would never enjoy unless they're pollinated. And a fig tree, there's male and female, and even though there's some fig trees have a self-pollinization with a wasp, they need pollinization. You don't go through life alone. You need iron that sharpens iron. And if you try to go it alone, you're not going to get very far because the Word of God says where two or three are gathered together in my name. There's no lone rangers in Christianity. And we desperately need each other in the body of Christ. That's how we grow. That's how we were, are equipped to grow. We need each other. To bear fruit, you, got, you cannot go it alone. I have seen, I talked to a man last night at a wedding, and he's a pretty high up in nurses and whatever they are, LPNs, LVNs, HCNs, whatever they get. He's way up there next to a PA, whatever that is, which is next to a PhD, whatever that is. So he's high up, and he says he has really noticed in the last few years how many of the old people have died early. 
and they ship them off to a rest home, and they die early. And a lot of it's because of this isolation. We need to be touched. We need to have people around us. When you know people that are alone, do everything you can to get around them to be an encouragement to them. We can't go it alone. And that same prescription that he gave, gave Elisha, I mean Elijah, to team up, get a support team, has not changed for thousands of years. Be committed to a home group. Be committed to a support group. And sometimes your families are your support group. Be committed to the body of Christ, your church. You can't go it alone. Because the Bible says we need to help those when the hands get heavy. And we need to weep with those that weep and to rejoice with those that rejoice. And you don't do that on a mountain alone. And he's given us a great prescription here as he looked at the life of Elijah. He said, I want you to rest. I want you to listen. I want you to vent. And I want you to team up. Last slide. And then I want you to burn the plow and cook the cow. <laughs> I like that. What's he saying here? You're going to walk out of this building. This is church gathered right now. A few more minutes, you're going to walk out church scattered. Still a church, but you're out there. Well, you burn the plow and you cook the cow. And what are you seeing to us in our vernacular today is you burn the things, the temporal things that are not good for your life. But you are a living sacrifice. You're not a dead cow. He says in Romans 12, you are a living sacrifice. And everywhere you go in this community, job world, wherever it is with your family, this church, you have a gift to give. You have a life to share. You are a living sacrifice. And you have the choice to stay on the altar or crawl off. But burn the plow. And if there's anything in your life that is slowing you down, burn it. And you cook the cow. Make sure that you are the living sacrifice to the glory of God's kingdom. And you're going to be a lot more effective, and I will be too, if I rest, if I listen, if I vent, and I keep teaming up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, that we burned the plow and we're a new creation created in Christ Jesus. Wow, that's awesome. We have a new life, a new direction. And yet, Father, we're still in, trapped in these earth suits, these bodies we walk around in, and we do need to rest. And Father, we need to listen. And there's times we do vent. May we do that in the right way. And Father, encourage us, especially in the days we're living in, that we find ourselves teaming up and being with others, ultimately, not only for our good, but also ultimately to glorify you in all things. In Christ's name we pray, amen.